0: always it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of second chance coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I'd very much appreciate it as it will help dynamic people such as yourself optimally discover this podcast wherever platform you listen to this podcast and you could add it to your library of favorite podcast. As you know in second chance coaching we focus on seeing everyday life through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I'd love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching clients seeking their second chance, or you're a representative of a business college or university seeking to integrate and support your returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. I'd like to welcome everyone again to another edition of Second Chance Coaching. Welcome all all of our returning listeners and certainly welcome all of our new listeners. I'm so very appreciative that you guys have joined us for today and joined us on this journey. One of the great things I I wanted to share with you guys about living in a tropical environment such as here in South Florida is that it is always beach weather, 12 months out of the year. 12 out of 12 months of the year, it's great beach weather. Now, As we get into the summer months, I'll say that the heat and humidity makes one pretty selective about when they want to have their beach time. Usually, it it makes you regulate your beach time to either pre-sunrise or after sunset, where it'll be a little bit cooler. But it's primarily, you know, you're looking to to escape that increased heat and humidity. But as I've indicated, if you're in the South Florida area, certainly you could always usually find me primarily on Hollywood Beach when I'm doing my beach time. And certainly if you see me, stop me, we could have an ice cream or a soft drink, or we could really go off the diet and have tacos, burgers, or pizza, whatever the case may be. Now, I I usually am there during the mornings and certainly, you know, at night and stuff after sunset, especially in these summer months, like I said, it gets pretty hot. Now, one of the good things about doing the pre-sunrise workout on Hollywood Beach is you always seem to see the same dedicated group of folks doing their workouts and even depending on how late in the morning you get into they'll even start having breakfast on the broadwalk after their after after their workout now when I returned to working out on the beach recently I had the opportunity to have breakfast with with some individuals and it encompassed numerous interesting conversations and these conversations usually centered around usually you have the same kind of questions and they center around, The basis of where you're originally from and why, because there's not many native Floridians, at least here in South Florida, but you still find them. Also, you get the what do you do for a living? And if you even run into people who are retirees that live on the beach, they'll discuss what they did for a living and how they're enjoying their retirement. And they're always willing to give great advice as to how you should approach retirement, prepare for retirement and certainly enjoy retirement. Now, when the point of the conversation got to what I do for a living, I spoke about that I work in higher education as a student services professional and adjunct professor, and as well as working in criminal justice reform and speaking about, and I mentioned this podcast and the objectives of this podcast, the reaction is usually pretty polite, and I get the quote unquote, that's nice, and then the additional inquiries come after that. It's always saying, like what made you have such a passion for this subject? And when I get that question at that moment, and it's a quick moment, but you know in your mind it seems like you're playing it out like a long pause. I thought to myself, well, what do I say to that question about what made me have passion for this subject? And I said, what do I say? Do I tell the truth? Do I give a roundabout answer? But I know in telling the truth, I know that I'm really being vulnerable and 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 talking more about myself and my journey. And then I had to ask myself, is this really anybody's business? And then after that quick pondering, I decided to tell them about my criminal justice story and how it brought me to where I am today. And then certainly I even go, I double down and further explain my aspirations for my future in the movement and my future as far as being in this work and how I want to ultimately get to certain objectives and meet certain goals. Now, I was not sure as to how it would be received at that breakfast table. I wasn't sure. And before I received the reactions, I was already mentally in the place where of having the position where it was not that important what their reactions were going to be. And, you know, why do you say that? And I and the reason why their reactions weren't going to be that important to me, because I know that I have my voice and I'm aware of the strength of my beliefs and my convictions and really no one's reactions was going to really change that. Now, when I after I gave them my answer, the reactions were pretty positive, but I could tell they wanted to ask me even more questions. They did not ask any they did not ask any further probing questions, but I could tell their choice was to not ask further questions because they wanted to be more polite. and they didn't want their um, curiosity to really show, but on their faces, you could definitely see it. Now, this conversation and those time of conversations really made me think about how what we share with other people about what we know. And, you know, and even those we really don't know. I mean, not what we know about what we share with people that we really do know that's in our circles. And really, even with people like these people who are pretty much strangers to me. Now, as it pertains to your reentry journey, our reentry journey, my question, this, these conversations made me think was. Are you obligated to always reveal the details or the existence of your criminal justice history and or your reentry journey to anyone and everyone you meet? At the end of the day, is your reentry journey, criminal justice history, really anyone's business? Do they have the right to know? My answer is no. This is your journey and your story And while in the United States of America, as citizens, we do believe we have inalienable rights, those are those universal rights that can't be given or taken away by the government. Those are rights naturally given to us at birth. Now, one of those inalienable rights people have does not include knowing yours or my criminal justice history. Now, the question that also makes me think, why do people feel like they should know. Why do they feel like they need to know, like it's their right to know? In the United States, returning citizens definitely suffer from what I call the scarlet letter syndrome as their conviction or convictions become a permanent mark on you for for your entire life and can be used against you at anyone's discretion. So it's that scarlet letter that you have to carry with you at all times. It almost renders, it renders one to walk through their entire life with a debt that can never be paid back, which makes when we say that you pay one's debt to society, a false concept, because if you've had a conviction or one conviction or whatever, or multiple convictions, you'll always judge that Scarlet Letter or Scarlet Letters is always on you and you never have the chance to pay your debt back to society, even though conceptually we say that you've paid your debt back to society. But despite the fact, I've chosen to discuss my history with you on this podcast or with people if we're having breakfast or in different circles, because I want to make a change in the way people see returning citizens and the way they see criminal justice reform. But one of the most infuriating questions I've received in my personal interactions with people is when they know about your criminal justice history is, well, what did you do? As if I should automatically answer that question whether it is a friend or an acquaintance or a coworker, or if it's someone I, I, I I'm prospectively dating, The question is almost is acts almost with the tone of a demand for an answer like you're supposed to answer that question. And then the other annoying question I always get is, what was prison like? Now I never answer that question. but I will say that whether you were in prison for one day or six months or 20 years, Everyone walks out with a certain level of trauma after leaving such an unnatural environment. And really to ask these questions, in my opinion, I feel are disrespectful and they can contribute to traumatizing someone that we claim has paid their debt to society. Now, when it comes to employment, education, housing, just to name a few, as returning citizens, we're subject to the legal, the current legal discriminatory inquiries with the stated objective of creating safer workspaces, um, safer emotional educational institutions, and safer neighborhoods. Now, right now we're living in a time where we are seeing slowly that these practices do not create the safety we speak, and these practices are, are being revisited every single day. Now, it doesn't happen quickly enough, but it's being revisited as far as is it really creating the safety that we speak, that we seek. Now, as I've said in previous podcast episodes, greater access in these areas, just to name a few, and the reduction of felony disenfranchisement will indeed reduce recidivism, increase public safety, and it'll make for better and more vibrant communities. Now, as I premiered this podcast during my journey, when I premiered this podcast, I had n- people from numerous areas of my life say they've gotten the pleasure to know me in different ways. And in some cases, you know, even me why did the podcast have to reveal things about me that <laughs> that they never knew? Why why couldn't they know that for themselves in, in interacting with me? And I really didn't have an answer for them. But my feelings remain consistent that ultimately my journey is mine to share or choose not to share. Now, for 20 years, I elected not to share it. Not to share it, you know, openly. But my sharing it now, my sharing it now does not say that I open myself to constantly being perpetually judged, tried, and convicted. My sharing it now is really to help other people discover their voice and to live their optimal lives. But you're going to have people judge you then and you have to decide how important that is to you. I've made the decision that it's not that important to me. But I won't be perpetually judged, tried, and convicted. Someone may try to do it, but I'll absolutely not put up with that. Now, going back to the conversation at that breakfast table on the beach, I shared a book I read with them that was called, in addition to telling them my reasons for my my passion, I also shared with them a book I read called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Um, it's probably a book that you still could get on Amazon and things of that nature. And I highly recommend this book for all of you looking to pursue and discover your passions and purpose. Now, when I first came home, I felt that the way to get through was to walk softly, walk humbly, and be as, quote-unquote, non-threatening as possible, that that would be the successful formula to my re-entry. And for the most part, I unfortunately saw that it really wasn't a successful experience. In my experience, I found that to to walk softly or walk humbly and to try to be non-threatening I found that almost to be a manifestation of my trauma. It affected relationships with my family, as it seemed to them I was I was a little withdrawn. My kids saw that I was being sad and angry in their in their minds, and then in professional environments, I was I felt like I was being viewed as someone who could be taken advantage of, and not based on what anyone said, but just just the way in which they behaved and in which they interacted with me. And going back to my children, I certainly didn't want them to see me being sad or being angry. And even when it came to dating, when I first came home, I was viewed as the women I dated as not really being sure of myself and not being confident. And when you're in those type of situations, in a dating situation, that's certainly not attractive at all. And I always felt like, okay, what do I do next? How do I, how do I navigate through all these spaces? And I remember a mentor once shared with me when I was having those conversations with him, and he just simply said, "Remember, Richard, you cannot change your past; you can only learn from it." And that was great advice. I mean, I, I, I say that every day and reaffirm that to myself every day, like it's part of my learning, as part of my morning prayers and part of my morning affirmations. You cannot change your past; you can only learn from it. So remember, you cannot change your past. You could only learn from it. If you choose to share your journey, remember that is your choice. You make that choice every single day in every single interaction. Whether you choose to share your journey or not, always remember to figuratively and literally walk in this life confidently and non-apologetically when you when it comes to optimizing your reentry journey. All of your best decisions. Will have will have you be in your present state, will have you be vibrant. You'll be vibrant in in the present. Your future will become more prosperous. And with every passing day, the past is smaller and smaller in your rearview mirror. The past becomes further away, becomes more further away as you go forward. And you'll be more empowered to make the decision for yourself if your story is indeed anyone's business. And that's such an empowering feeling to have. Every day, the past is further away. You'll become more empowered to make that decision for yourself, whether you want to share your story. You'll make that decision whether or not this is anyone's business. And if you choose to not make it anyone's business, that's on you. That's good. That's your decision. And if you do do choose to make it anyone's business, you now have an opportunity for them to see the the criminal justice reform movement in a different standpoint because they're seeing you as a living testimony as to what's possible and how we can how we can make crooked paths straight for them for you for me for each other and certainly we, we could you could do that and walk around doing it on your own in strength you could do it with mentors you could do it with me and we can and you can make it happen together I enjoyed spending another week with you here on Second Chance Coaching. And certainly, I'd like to invite you again, if you want to work one-on-one, and whether you're that returning citizen or a coaching client, or you're looking to re-engineer how your colleges or businesses engage returning citizens, engage their students, engage their employees, certainly feel free to email me at at SecondchanceCoaching.com or let's stay in touch or reach out to me via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, you've been blessed to see another day, which means today, today is your second chance. Every day you wake up, that's your second chance. And certainly it's up to you to make the most of it, and you will make the most of it. I love you all. Please continue to take care of each other, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.